Hello listeners, this is Lee Price. This is Will Ford from Football365. And you're listening, smartly, to At, At The, the Bridge, Bridge Pod, Pod, a Chelsea, Chelsea FC podcast. podcast, although I would describe it as THE Chelsea FC Podcast. It's time for another episode of At The Bridge Pod, your number one Chelsea FC podcast. Coming up on this episode... Sterling Havertz. How he needed that. How they needed that. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of At the Bridge Pod, and I'm joined in a virtual room filled with lions. Some lions. I've got Ollie. He's in Texas. Whoa! And we've got Chris. Chris is in the UK. L- less exciting. So uh, look at us. Look at us. Hey. Look at us. Look at us. Chelsea. And and Chelsea. Chelsea are back. Who'd have thought that? Huh? Who would have thought? Not me. I just can't believe I get to ask what were your highlights on the Boxing Day weekend? Wow. Well, Every I was traveling for the majority of, of the Boxing Day weekend. But um, <laughs> but I was actually, you know, to, to continue sort of Ollie's magical mystery tour uh, on Boxing Day weekend. But I was in Dublin of all places. So, uh, and now I'm in Texas. And I'm sure I'll be able to update the listeners each time we, we do an episode on where I get to next. Did you take your brand new best friend that we uh, discovered on Friday? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> he definitely has. Yes, oh. uh, yeah, he's, he's in the room over next door. Because I decided, you know, I, I, I didn't want the, uh, I, I didn't want uh, to, you know, to enjoy, I, I never want to enjoy uh, just standing in a room without the fear of somebody walking in anymore. Exactly, so, you, you know, know. Like, keeps yeah. you on your toes, gets you ready yeah. for the uh, the game. You know, keeps you up. What Scariest about... in the shower in the morning, I must say. What, what about you, Chris? What were your highlights? Oh, oh no, oh no. Yeah, I, I think it's just it's just the same as every year. Do you know what I realised this year? That no matter what you do, Christmas is the same all the time. Even when you try and make it different, it's just the same every year. It's, it, it doesn't matter what you do, unless you're Ollie, obviously, and he spends it probably in a different place every year. Then I spend <laughs> it at home every year, so it's the same all the time. Oh, wow. Oh. You heard it here first, listeners. Uh, Santa Claus, not a friend of the show. Oh, <laughs> no, Chris, Christmas no, Christmas, 2023, still the same. Yeah, uh, it will to, be. To be fair, same of the same. Every year, I do watch that on Channel 4 in the UK. We have the big fat quiz of the year. And every time I watch it, I just think I know nothing about what happened this year. I was asleep for half of it because yep. not a clue. Not yep. a clue what's going on. It's, oh, it's embarrassing for me. Right. We do have a game to review. We do. But first, we're going to head to that newsroom quickly. So we're going to quickly run through some news. And if the guys want to jump in, they can go right ahead. So we've got Andre Santos celebrating his move to Chelsea, sharing a photo on social media, as you do. Uh, Chelsea are in advance talks to sign Benoit Badiashil from AS Monaco as the new centre-back. An apparent official proposal has been submitted. Negotiations are ongoing. 35 to 40 million euros. Atletico Madrid and Portugal star Yao Felix is a potential option for Chelsea in January, along with Memphis Depay. There are three teams interested in Alex McAllister. Chelsea, Arsenal and Atletico Madrid in that order, we're told. Jorginho could leave Chelsea in January. And Chelsea's owners have visited Lisbon to negotiate the transfer of Enzo Fernandez with Benfica. That seems to be hotting up the longer the day goes on. 
any, anything from that selection, selection box, keeping the Christmas theme going, that you'd like to discuss before we head to the game review? I'd quite like to talk about um, Jorginho and um, and the potential uh, of him moving on because um, we've been hearing uh, reports this week of him potentially moving to Newcastle of all places. It seems that Eddie Howe's an admirer and and obviously Newcastle as a club at the moment have more money than sense. Um, so, you know, they can buy basically anyone they want. And uh, of all people, they seem to have uh, focused in on Jorginho. Mm. Interesting as, as they do have Bruno... Who I know doesn't play the same position, but it's sort of that controlling centre midfield presence. What, what, what do you think, Chris? I mean, Jorginho is one of those players that divides a fan base. And apparently I don't rate him as well as Cesc Fabregas. I don't. I don't care. Um, but Chris, what, what do you think? Uh, do you know what? I think Jorginho will be one of those players where fans won't really appreciate him until we don't have him anymore. I think he'll be one of those. Uh, you think I'm going to be eating my humble pie very cold? No, because I think <laughs> I think the, the the point with Fabregas was I understand people like to think that they're similar players, but they're not really because no, not even close. Fab, no, Fabregas was a lot more attack minded than Jorginho, and uh, but I do think Jorginho brings something to the team which is hard to replace. It's not easy to find players. So if I bet if you asked, especially the defenders in the Chelsea team, what midfielder they like playing with the most, it would be Jorginho. Because whenever there's a defender in a bit of trouble, he's always available to pass. Uh, and that is something that we have missed when he hasn't played. And I do think sometimes it's something that he doesn't get enough credit for. I think he gets a lot of criticism for the things he's not very good at, but very rarely gets the praise for the stuff he is really good at. I think there's a good, um, there's a good sort of debate there over sort of the pros and cons of Jorginho, but I think Chris hit it on the, hit the nail on the head. And it actually is His biggest asset is his, well, A is consistency, um, but B is composure. Uh, You know, like, Whenever he receives a ball in a tight space, he always, you know, find, finds the out ball. You know, he's always available for a pass, like Chris said. And I think it's about when you when you look at Jorginho in a vacuum, you kind of have to weigh up whether that composure is something you need more in a midfield than, say, what his replacement potentially would bring, which would be more athleticism, more dynamism, um, you know, being able to break up the play on counters, things like that. And so... Ultimately, I don't think the whole Jorginho debate is really one that splits the Chelsea fan base right down the middle, right? And so I think ultimately kind of where you sit on that debate is kind of where you, how you feel about Jorginho, whether, you know, you think, you know, his liabilities don't make up for his, you know, what he is good at or the other way around. Mm. On that note, randomly, I have just seen a tweet go out. It's a breaking news tweet. Uh, Rafa Liao tweeted back to Reese James, let's go. Two words, two emojis after, and instantly I'm now thinking, that's it, we've signed him. I, I mean, yep. that is that is mind-blowing for me. I'm I'm, I'm curious if that these players know what they're doing. It's, hmm. I, think, I mean, they get on really well, obviously. Uh, you know, like, they seem to be good mates, don't they? But you could say the same about Vinny Jr., I suppose, because him and Reese James get on reasonably well as well. I think it's just a game recognises game. You know what I mean? Don't say that. I want to convince myself we've got Rafa Liao signed up. Here we go. Oh, no. He, you know, he's <laughs> he's basically already at Cobham. Let's be honest. Oh, <laughs> right. 
in our first proper game since the middle of November, we're not counting the Villa friendly. Chelsea handed our fans a Christmas present with a convincing home victory. It was a, a quick team move early on. Kai Havertz scored his fifth goal of the year, then assisted Mason Mount on his third goal of the year. 2-0 lead at the half, uh, thanks to them two goals. Dennis Sakaria's energetic play in the middle of the field kept us going. It was amazing to see. Additional goals we thought were looking certain, but hey, they didn't come. We also had two penalty appeals rejected after moves involving Pulisic and Sterling, who also provide an assist for the opening goal. I mean, how were your emotions during that 90 minutes? Chris, I'm going to play this to you because I was on a plane. <laughs> no problem. Uh I thought we started the game quite slow. Um, I, I think we fell into a pattern again of just knocking the ball around, uh, almost just getting a feel for being back, I think. But then once you once we sort of clicked into gear, the first half, I think, is probably the best we've played under Potter, I would say. Uh, I know we had the, the Champions League first half, uh, where we was also really good. But in a Premier League game, and in a game with this much pressure on it, I thought it was a really impressive first half. I was a little bit disappointed with the last half an hour, the fact that we just dropped off and just sort of sat on the 2-0. But it was understandable in a way when you just need wins. I think that's what you do when you're in a comfortable position. And to be honest with you, Bournemouth didn't really look like they was going to score if we sat in that shape. So it wasn't yeah, listen, inviting. It- is Chelsea versus pressure. Bournemouth. Bournemouth always have a chance. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, first half, I thought we was we was really, really good. I thought the front three is probably the most dangerous front three we've had all season in terms of linking up together. That You could see... The biggest thing for me is you could see the improvement in certain players and patterns of play because Potter's had time to work with people. And I think that's what gives me hope. Maybe not for the rest of this season because we're still going to have very congested fixture schedule. But going into next season after a full pre-season under Potter, I think that's when you'll be able to judge him fairly as to whether he what he can bring to this Chelsea team. Because just working with a few players during the World Cup, you could see marked improvements in those players. Yeah, I mean, Sterling and Havertz worked very well together. You know, on the other side, you had Mount and Pulisic working well together. I mean, that that group in attack, I, I really, really like. It was exciting. It was nice to actually get excited about a game. You know, hopefully we also get to see them all play together in a string of matches to obviously eliminate the flaws that are there. But that that Pulisic and Mount dynamic, it, it's been there before. You know, there have... That may have obviously something to do with Frank Lampard. You know, they both rose through the ranks or joined the club at the same time and they received regular playing time. We always talk about lockdown Pulisic, you know, yeah. but both performed admirably considering their their inexperience in the Premier League back then. And they frequently established such a good alliance. I mean, I remember the game against Madrid. That that It excited me to see that attack, which is something we haven't been saying in a while. What what did you think about that group, Ollie? It was nice to uh, like because because despite not watching the game live, I've seen the the highlights. I know I'm not going to get the feel for the entire game. And you, for example, in the highlights, you don't see the fact that Chelsea dropped off in the last half an hour, like Chris said. But um, when we came when we went forward, we looked really dangerous. Uh, we looked dynamic. We looked like we were we wanted to make things happen. Um, and it you know it 
it just goes to show, I think, that, you know, we, like, like Chris says, under immense pressure against Bournemouth, a team who we never beat anyway, on boxing, like in the Boxing Day weekend fixture, a fixture we, ne- we never win, you know, it's an absolutely huge statement to actually come back in the Premier League and go, yeah, all right then, have that. And, uh, you know, that, that attack in particular seemed to really be making things click, certainly in the first half. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it was, I mean, I look at Kai Havertz, you know, he needs some praise, you know, because we need to get the spotlight out because it, it's shining on you, brother. It really is. I mean, he's so technically gifted. And when he's pushing with his pace and tacking the ball, he's just so good. You if know, he can make it, if he can do that consistently, there's no reason why he isn't worth every penny we we paid for him. It, it was just, on, for him. It's just about getting that consistency, just making sure he's operating at a seven out of 10 every it's, week. Exactly. It's one of those where he, yesterday was close to a perfect performance, but I would rather see more, as you've said, seven out of 10s than a 10 out of 10 and then a two out of 10. We had Willian doing that almost season in, season out. That's the thing, you know, and if if I was more cynical, I would say, now let's watch what happens against Forest. You know, we'll mm. be really, we'll really struggle. We'll be like really lethargic in attack, really, you know, difficult to make things happen. And, you know, and, and Havertz will ghost the whole game. So, you know, that's the sort, that's the exact thing we don't want to see now. We need to see, we need to be building on this performance because it's a good performance and it's a big performance as well, considering the circumstances around it, the pressure on Potter, new things happening at the club all the time. You know, so it's really important to build on that result now. Exactly. What 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 do you, what do you make of this, Chris, with Kai Havertz? I think it was a, it was a really good performance from Havertz, as it was from the whole forward line. And I think one of the main things was the setup was right. I think for the first time in a long time, you had people playing in positions which they are more comfortable in and more naturally used to so Sterling playing on the right he's played there numerous times for England he's played there a lot for Man City people think he played on the left a lot but actually he played a lot on the right for Man City to link up with Carl Walker mainly and he was linking up well with Reese James here you had that England connection there I've been saying for months that Pulisic should play on the left wing because that's where he's best and I think we seen that again yesterday that was Pulisic at uh, uh, the good version of Pulisic that we saw yesterday in his favoured position. And I think it really helped Havertz as well because there was a setup around him which allowed him to operate in areas that he wants to without too many players being in his way. And I think that's what happens when Mount, when Mount plays in one of the wide positions, him and Havertz take up the same space and they almost get in each other's way and they almost have a negative impact on each other. Whereas I think Mount playing as a number eight yesterday in a midfield three, you saw the best of Mount because that was his best game for a while in a Chelsea shirt. And I think you've seen the mm. best of Havertz as well. And I do think it is about that. And it's about Potter having that time to figure out the best system to get the best out of these players. I think... Zakaria coming into midfield as well really helped with the balance in midfield because you had a little bit of a difference between him and Jorginho and him and Mount. And the whole structure just looked better. But I think the main thing which gives me a lot of hope that 
we won't do what Ollie just said, which would be a very Chelsea thing to do and go and lose 1-0 to Forest. <laughs> <laughs> is it wasn't just one of those performances where you look at our players and you think, oh, individually, they just had really good games and we won. And then next week, they'll, as a team, we'll still be terrible and we'll end up going to lose when they don't perform. The the tactical setup of it looked better. And there was a moment in the game yesterday that I thought really showed that Potter might have started to put his stamp now on this team. And it was Jorginho got the ball off Thiago Silva inside our half and he tried to play a risky low percentage pass through three players out to the right hand side and he gave the ball away uh we immediately won it back it went straight back to Jorginho and he did it again and this time it got there and we I think we created a half chance or or a chance from it that gave me hope as that's part of impact that I think he'll have on this team. You've seen it in the forward players yesterday. They don't they didn't look scared yesterday to make mistakes. They didn't look scared to give the ball away. They looked very comfortable in trying to make things happen. And even someone like Jorginho, who gets criticized a lot for being the safest passer in the world. Uh, before the World Cup, if he tried to play that first pass and give it away, his next pass would have been backwards. You know for a fact it would have been back to a centre-back just to keep the ball. But he tried it again because they're trying now to hurt the opposition. Yeah. And I think that's going to be the biggest thing over the next... Between now and, and January especially, it's got to be... This little run of games has got to be Potter implementing his style. And that was the main thing that I've been critical of of Potter that he hasn't done yet. But yesterday seemed like he is starting to do that now. And it was just having that time, I think, during the World Cup to do it. Yeah, it's amazing what time and trusting a process can do. Go on, Ollie. If I was to play devil's advocate here and provide a bit of a a (laughs) counterpoint, what is to stop people who maybe are, you know, maybe see us beating Bournemouth yesterday? What's to stop people going, well, it's Bournemouth, you know, they're relegation fodder, they're clearly not doing very well, they sacked their manager at the start of the season, they're clearly in free fall anyway. What's to stop people, you know, actually detracting from what altogether might have actually been quite a good performance yesterday by saying, oh, we just got lucky, or we had ages to prepare, or it's just Bournemouth? What do we say? I mean, the thing is, when it's Bournemouth, to everyone else, you could go, it's Bournemouth. To Chelsea, Bournemouth is essentially 1950s, 1960s prime Brazil. They always (laughs) beat us. They always dominate and they always go, (laughs) look at these losers, look at these losers. We're dreadful against them. We always have been. And yet we turned up and we won. I mean, that's the main thing. I mean, I've, I've got to move to one point and that's to the official. Oh, no. Simon Hooper. Look, he's probably a top dude and I'd probably have a beer with him, watch a movie together, cook some pasta one night. But what a tragedy. I'm so sorry, but what a tragedy of a performance from him. You know, you had Pulisic got pulled back. Was it a big tug? Look, in the NFL, that's pass interference. But this guy, he's pulling his shirt off his, he's pulling his shirt (laughs) off his back. And it wasn't even half time for those antics. You don't swap shirts during the uh, first half. I mean, Neil Warnock, he warns about this his level of officiating many years ago. I, I wasn't impressed with some of the decisions and I don't think social media was either. Yeah, do you know what? The, the Pulisic one, whether that shirt pull makes him fall over or not, pulling the shirt is a foul. So it doesn't matter. The, 
a shirt pull is a foul, whether it makes you go down or not. It, 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 that is completely irrelevant. Now, when, when you're moving at the speed that Pulisic was on a quick acceleration, it does only take a small tug to put you off balance, especially when he was in the motion of trying to get a shot off. It's a penalty. And not, it, it's bad from the referee. It's, it's even worse from whoever was on the VAR. Because to be able to watch that in slow motion from 114 different angles and still get that wrong is incredible. The thing that annoyed me about the ref was he then gave a foul against Kukurea for a pullback on the uh, in the left-back position where he put his arm across the player. He didn't even pull his shirt. The lack of consistency is awful from these that's, referees that's I don't the key think... thing in the in the league isn't it? it it's the fact that yeah what what we've got at the moment and especially in the premier league which right you know for all its sort of bells and whistles people say it's the best league in the world whether it is or not you know it's certainly in the conversation so if you're going to have the best league in the world you have to have the best officials you just do because otherwise you you end up with ridiculous calls week after week after week and I will also like to point out referees' jobs are getting both harder and easier because, yeah. you know, players are a bit more privy to the rules. Um, you know, they've also got VAR to help them. They're also going to have more, you know, VAR is a double-edged sword because at the same time, you know, they, they, you've essentially got someone grading your homework while you're doing it. But at the end of the day, you've just got to be getting these calls right. And I think eventually, I mean, you know, this is a, maybe it's a, it's a quick prelude to the Monday hot take on Wednesday but my Monday hot take on Wednesday is um, that we're eventually going to see at least re- on-field referees phased out of the game altogether and it'll all be done through cameras and AI or whatever they're just a terminator just come, they come yeah. through a, so <laughs> to get booked or sent Robo-cop. off you have a, a portal appears on the field and just a, a robotic arm with a card and it goes yellow but what if you are how do you you can't argue the portal Exactly. And what happens is, is, um, you know, and what VAR is, is he jumps in a pool of lava and, um, and as he sinks, if it's the correct decision, it's thumbs up. And if not, yeah, brilliant. I love it. I love it. To be fair, there's a lot of players that would argue into thin air when you think about it. Yeah. There's so many that just, it would just be, it'd be hilarious, but you just know it will happen. Ah, right. To be fair though, looking at December as a whole, because December's come to an end, it's it's our best in years. 100% winning record, zero goals were conceded. It does help when you only play one game, but we're not going to look at that. That's just small. We don't need to care about those don't, little small Don't stats. call it a comeback, folks. Exactly. Titles exactly. are in May. <laughs> right, we move to Rhys James, because that is a huge story from this, this game and his injury, which is perfect time for the Monday hot take on a Wednesday. Delayed spiciness. Right, this we all everyone knows the gist of our Monday hot takes now. I'm going to serve this up myself from my own kitchen. Now I don't even know if I mean this, but I've got to say it because I've seen some people say it. Reese James, he's been managed poorly at Chelsea, and he won't reach his true potential. Is it time to bring in not a backup but a replacement at right back? You are off your head. You are absolutely I've got, to, your head. I've got is... to serve it up. I've got. I'm not saying I agree with my own. No, no. I, it's, like, it's, an, it's an interesting hot take for people to make because you know James is like you've been saying recently. You know, ability is an ability all of its own, isn't it? The Athletic so, are reporting three to four weeks. By the way, yeah, it's three to four weeks. Maybe it'd be five to six. But I'd like to see him come back for maybe the Dortmund game or something in February. You know, really take some time out. But you, if you, I I do not understand this at all. James is. A, 
you know, not even in the prime of his career, B, is the best right back in the world. <laughs> you know, it's, like, it's a bit different in the uh, in the sort of situation with Kante where it's about whether do you offer him a, another contract or not because, you know, he's injured like most of the season and, you know, he's done so much for us in the past and now he's kind of over the hill a little bit and his body's catching up with him. James is like, what, like 22, 23 years old? Like, it's fine. We just need to be able to make sure we can handle his injuries. The key thing for James is because he's so good, he plays every game that he's available, similar to Kante. Mm. And so the important thing is, is not to buy a replacement for Reese James, because that's pointless and that's just a downgrade, whoever you get, is to get someone who can either compete with Reese James, which would be ridiculously hard, or at least someone who can fill in, you know, someone who, say for a cup game or, you know, a game against someone like Bournemouth, for example, you can have them fill in. So James isn't, you know, go, having to go flat out 100% three times a week every week of his career. Because if we if we keep doing that and we don't get a replacement for James, he'll retire by the age of like 26 due to his injury record. He just will. Because yeah. nobody can play in one position. A very, very few footballers can play in one position every three days for their entire career. I mean, it feels like he was rushed back into... I know you could argue that he was... He was obviously advocating to play at the World Cup, which now we sort of see in hindsight as... Ugh. The, the Premier League is intense. You know, the first game back, which was obviously yesterday, it's going to be intense. And I don't know, the management in our medical team is worrying at the moment for me because he was clearly not ready for... Well, did he play 60 minutes or was it about 50th minute? He got 53, something like that. Oh, man, it's just, it just sort of screams that I know he's our best player, but why, why do we take that risk to up? I, I, I know it, we all know management of an injury is exactly as important as the recovery process. It's part of the recovery process and three to four weeks. Yeah. I've, I've seen the reaction just scrolling through Twitter and everyone's like, yeah, it's brilliant. It is, but what if he comes back in four weeks and it happens again? Maybe three to four weeks is not the right timeline. Guys, Maybe it's longer. Do you guys think that that's on Potter? I, I don't know. It's whoever's advising him, isn't it? Because because we've seen as well the drama from his his personal trainer, fitness guy, or whatever, mm -hmm. yeah. um, who who's come out saying there's a you know like I won't say anything, but you know that despite having a lot to say, basically he's fuming that James has got injured and maybe maybe we can extrapolate from that that he, he thinks it, he was rushed back. Do you who do you guys think who does the buck stop with with this kind of that's decision? on the that's on the medical team because they've got to recommend that he's fit to play or at least advise if we don't know everything, obviously, surprise. If 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 the medical team have said he can play 90 minutes, then that's on the medical team that this has occurred. If they have advised Graham Potter that he can play 45 and then after that mm, then that's on Graham that's the but we'll never know you will never know that information no I think as well um, the medical team do take a lot of responsibility because they clear these players to play mm. um, Potter takes some responsibility because he could have quite easily have took him off at half time with the game being so comfortable I mean, to be honest with you, I mean, I think Reese James takes some responsibility as well. He knows his own body. He knows whether he feels fit and ready or not. I, I don't think it's one of those massive things that needs reading into too much. He, he could have quite easily got through the 60 minutes that they was planning to bring him off with no injury. And we all would have said, 
you know, it was fine to bring him back. Tottenham yeah. have done it with Harry Kane on numerous occasions. They've brought him Similarly, back. Similarly, you know, if if we if we took him off at half time and then Bournemouth score a goal, it's oh, why'd you take James off? Mm. Exactly. It's, it, 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 I, I think sometimes it's not necessarily anyone's fault. It's just a really unfortunate situation. I think the thing with Reese James and like what Ollie was saying, Reese James' injury record. Is partly down to the fact that we have poor squad management in terms of we haven't got an adequate replacement for him. But, you know, people saying that maybe he shouldn't have started yesterday. But if he hadn't started yesterday and he'd started Aspilicueta, I know what the reaction on social media would have been like. You know, oh, my God, you can't start Aspilicueta right back in a back four. Oh, we're going to get battered. And it's like, you it's catch-22 as a manager. If, if the medical team are saying he's fine to play a certain part in the game, and he's your best player, you play him. And that's what managers do, especially when you need results. Uh, January, though, I think it's changed January. We've got to sign another right back. And yeah, we have to I, now. I don't promote think someone in the youth team. Do whatever you have to do. Yeah, to I get don't an think adequate, it's... Uh, an adequate backup in the team. That's exactly it. It's an adequate backup. I think the, the issue with bringing up someone from the youth team, you'd only be able to play them in really easy cup games, which obviously we keep drawing Man City, so we don't have them. And then, <laughs> or there's, there's not really, there's never a dead rubber game in the in the Premier League for Chelsea. We could be playing the team who are bottom with no points and they'd still somehow beat us 1-0. So it's only then like, you know, we're at a stage of the season now where there aren't really any games where you'd want to heavily rotate if the team isn't brilliant. I think we've got to bring in someone who can can compete with Reese James for the starting spot. And I think that, I want? that would be better for everyone. Do you know who I want? I, and Go you on. know what? You call it, you know, World Cup bias. Oh, whatever. no. Don't care. Oh, no. I know where you're going. Juranovic. Yeah, I thought so. From Croatia. Bring him in. I don't care. Plays as a, plays as a wing back. Full of dynamism. Full of athleticism, you know, does all the running you would need. He's essentially a lot like Azpilicueta used to be, you know, mm. where he just runs forever. And and if you know, in absence of having you know someone as technically gifted as James who can also play right back, just get someone who can run. Yeah, well, I, I think yeah. Um, I think Denzel Dumfries would be a good shot yes. as well. That's what I've been championing. He's available for yeah. like min- minimal fee from Inter who who want to offload him. He's very similar to Reese James in terms of his physicality and his stature and the way he plays. He likes to get down to the byline and put crosses in, which is yeah. James's biggest asset. He's nowhere near as good as Reese James. We know that. No. But he's, the only thing, he's a more than adequate backup. The only thing that I do worry about with Dom Fries is um, Inter fans can't wait to get rid of him. And, and it it, that leaves me, that leaves me about, questioning yeah. like why... Why are they so keen to get rid? You know, it it, it strikes me a lot. Do you remember when Willian went to Arsenal, and Arsenal fans were yes. absolutely chuffed, and they were like, "We've got your best player. <laughs> Look at what he's done for us, right?" And we were like, "Trust me, this is not going to end yeah. well for you." And we knew how it was going to go. So yeah, but he I, went to you know, Fulham, and he's been doing very well over there. Yeah, yeah of course. But, I think uh, you know. <laughs> I, I think it's always important to, to when you, when you're linked with someone to see what actually their fans think of that move. Because if they're mm. absolutely gassed that they're getting rid of someone, you might be making a mistake. Yeah. Yeah. I think Dumf- I think I'd feel more comfortable, though, having someone with Dumfries' top-level experience mm. playing. Exactly. So especially, especially with James's injuries record, it's going to be... It's not coming in for one game, is it? It's going to be two, three, four, five games 
that you've got to have someone who can play that run of games, which is mm. why I'm saying like I don't think a youth team player would be an option but, because but bear can in they mind play as well, that many but, games in a row? Bear in mind as well that the new strategy of the recruitment is to have a a squad or whatever, like you know, under 25s. You know, mostly yeah, mostly only really signing yeah. under 25s. So whoever you're actually going to be buying, it can't. It, it has to be a long term yeah. concept because uh, you know otherwise you're handing out like a five or a six year, seven year even contract to someone True. who might be good for a season or two. And then after that, it's like, well, you know, they're just around. It'll be That's all true. eyes on January. And hey, I'm sure Danny Alves is a free agent at some point. We can bring him in. We always dream to sign him. It's our chance now. Right. Going through our line of the midweek, maybe weaker. Who yeah, We played on the weekend. Good enough. Bank holidays and stuff uh, from Friday. Chris, Chris wasn't here, so... He's he's been let off. Ollie went with Lewis Hall. Now his heat map was he, he did a bit of a warm up, went to the bench, did a warm up, went to the bench. <laughs> so, yeah. Um I, I went thought it with was a great performance from great, him. Did you see the way he sat? Great warm up. I, I thought that, you know, consistent. He was always in the place where you needed him. He was there. <laughs> I went with Mason Mount, and that turned out quite well. I'm pretty content sure. with that. Berth went yep. with Kai Havertz and he 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 got the man of the match from the Chelsea Twitter account. So I feel that, that was that's a solid performance to start the year for me, especially. You both took a, <laughs> you both took yeah. a big risk, and, and it paid off for you. I'm I'm happy for you both. Yeah, I mean, Berth was genuine and serious with his. I did it to piss people off, and it worked out. <laughs> so that's my theory going forward. Yeah, just pick a player that the fan base is. Oh no, no again. So yeah, well, I mean, well, the next game is Saturday. Is it? Is it New Year's yeah, Eve? New Forest, Year's Day? Right? Yeah. No, it's, of course it's New Year's Day. I just said we had a good New December. Talking yeah, rubbish as ever. Right. So I want to say thank you for listening to the episode, everyone. Uh hope you treat yourself well. Had a great uh, Christmas festive period. Uh, as always, every one of you is a true legend. We you we truly appreciate every time you tune in with us. So with that, we've come to the end of another episode of At the Bridge Pod. We'll be back on Friday. We're gonna discuss forests so previewing that and some news hopefully we, we might have signed enzo fernandez Woo-hoo-hoo! maybe maybe calming down uh we'll be back on friday so till then that is us signing off you've been listening to at the bridge pod a chelsea fc podcast follow us on twitter and instagram by searching for at the bridge pod and if you're listening on apple or spotify leaving us a review is always appreciated